Halito, and welcome to Native Chalk Talk, a podcast by Natives for all. Here, we're keeping our Native ancestors' stories and history alive, while also sharing with you our Native cultures, traditions, and more. I'm Rachel Youngman, a Choctaw originally from Anadarko, Oklahoma. I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode, where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. The Choctaw Nation has always provided a foundation upon which a future can be built. From our home in Southeast Oklahoma to a bingo hall that grew to be one of the largest casinos in the world. Today's summer school programs lay the groundwork for a love of learning. Small business programs support local economies. And with over 10,000 jobs created, Choctaw offers financial stability to tribal members and our neighbors. Together we build success because together we're more. You may recall in season two, episode 10, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jared Impetachaha Tate about his upcoming opera, Shell Shaker, a Chickasaw opera. I was blown away by the fact that for the first time ever, an American Indian tongue, Chickasaw in this case, had been put to opera. Now, as a former opera singer with a degree in music, I was pretty much salivating over the fact that these two worlds would now collide to bring awareness of not only the significant talent among our indigenous people, but also a genre of music such as opera being brought to the forefront in a totally new way. And and today I get the pleasure once again of discussing this topic from a different perspective with two incredibly talented women. My guests here are Kirsten C. Kunkel and Kate Morton and they will both star in Shell Shaker at Chickasaw Opera. Um, So, you know, the opera that was um, put together by Jared Tate. So I'm about as giddy as an Oklahoman chasing an F5 tornado during tornado season. So ladies, welcome. It's wonderful to be here. We're happy to have (laughs) you. (laughs) Hello, Kirsten. Yeah, Kirsten Kunkel, nice to meet you. So glad to actually talk to you, Rachel. So glad to talk to you both. I've been waiting for this day. In fact, we had a reschedule for our listeners. We were supposed to meet um, a couple of weeks later than we are today. And we had something come up and we had to move it up. And I was just so excited that was going to be today. <laughs> so Yakoki to you both. So do you guys remember um, the three tenors when they were a big deal? It was like, Pavarotti and who else was in there? Carrera. There's one more. Oh, Domingo. Carreras and Domingo. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, I just loved listening to them back in the day, even though I know they were a little cheesy, but can we today say that we're the Sopran, the three Sopranos or something? Sure. Is that too cheesy? (laughs) Absolutely. But we'll still do it. We'll do it anyway. Yes. And we're cooler. I don't know how, but we are cooler. And I think that people would really enjoy hearing us sing if we were to sing. Actually, I I don't sing opera anymore, but am I allowed on the opera playground again just for today with you guys? I yeah, think so. Absolutely. And okay. tomorrow too, any day. Okay, good. <laughs> it's a party have, and you're all invited. We have way better hair than the three tenors. All three That's of us. Yeah, we do. We're going to, we're going to rock this world of the three tenors. We're just going to make this better. So, (laughs) 
All right. So please allow me to properly introduce you both. Kirsten, I'll start with you. Dr. Kirsten C. Kunkel is a Spinto soprano. She's Muskogee and she lives in beautiful Ohio where she's the artistic director and co-founder of the Wilmington Concert Opera. You go girl. We'll talk more about that later. And one of my favorite pieces I watched online the other day, by the way, is Bici Darte from Tosca by Puccini. And listeners, stay tuned for my Native Chalk Talk post, where I'll be sure to share links like that so you can hear both Kirsten and Kate's performances. You will love them. Just put it on while you're cooking or you're doing stuff around the house or you're driving down the road. It's just beautiful. I was just mesmerized by both of their performances. So stealing some portions of info directly from Kirsten's website. She has been lauded as the leading Native American soprano in today's classical music world. She has also been commissioned and premiered 16 original compositions, including one of our own, based upon the poetry of her ancestor and highly acclaimed poet of the Native American Muskogee Nation, Alex Posey. Her recordings are collected at the Library of Congress, the National Museum of the American Indian at the Smithsonian Institution, and the Merkel Area Museum in Merkel, Texas. Kirsten is included on the list of classical Native American artists and musicians at the Smithsonian's institution NMAI and on the Molto Native music list of performances, list of performers. She was featured as a composer and soloist for the Circle of Resilience concert with Intermountain Opera Bozeman in May 2021. And I'll also point out for you opera buffs out there that some of her favorite operas, not limited to, but definitely included, um, include some of the following. So she starred in Dear Freischutz, La Boheme, Die Fledermaus, La Noce di Figaro, Don Giovanni, The Old Maid and the Thief, and many more. I just don't even have time to go into her whole resume. Both of these resumes are so extensive. And by the way, she made her Carnegie Hall debut in 2014. Kirsten attended Bowling Green State University and the University of Salzburg for her undergraduate studies, majoring in voice performance with minors in Italian and German. Her master's and doctoral degrees are in voice performance from the University of Michigan, and she has the cutest little girl as well. So if you're wondering if she's superwoman, yes, she is. She certainly is. So bravo, Kristen, bravo. And okay, now let's hear about the good work you're doing, Kate. So Kate Morton is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma and is a lyric mezzo-soprano. So shout out to all you mezzos out there. Info from Kate's website states that she was recently a soloist with the Oklahoma City Philharmonic for the celebration of the First Americans Museum in Oklahoma City. If you haven't been, you have to go, it's wonderful. And a guest artist for the Prague Summer for the Prague Summer Nights Music Festival's Washington DC residency. Very impressive. Um, her credits include Little Women, Die Zauberflute, The Snow Queen among others. And she was recently guest artist with Intermountain Opera Bozeman as well in their Circle of Resilience concert series, which highlighted Native American classical composers and performers, yay. So Kate was a recipient of the Cherokee Nation Trail of Tears Award for excellence. She speaks Cherokee and Spanish. She does foil fencing training, um, wow, and plays piano and guitar. And I believe you dance as well, right, Kate? I do, I do dance. Good Lord, is there anything both of you don't do? Well, I cannot knit. <laughs> I can, I'll, I'll teach you. Of course, of course. And now she'll be knitting. And now I'll say, is there anything you can't do? And you'll say no. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. That's fantastic. Um, and you're about to graduate from college too, Kate, right? I am. I'm about to graduate from Oklahoma City University with um, a double major in music theater and vocal performance. Dang, that's exciting. That is one for the Oklahoma team and one for the girls team from both of you. So, but I, oh, I actually, I have to ask about the spoil fencing thing. What is foil fencing? Yeah, there are two different types of fencing. There's epee and foil. And last spring, I had a little gap in my schedule after I did a production of the console at OCU. And I decided, you know, I'm a med zone. I'm going to do a couple of pants rolls in my career. A yeah. lot of And I figured, why not learn some fencing? I know. And I took stage combat and everything, but then I <laughs> Why not just go the extra mile and just learn? So I went to, um, oh, what is it called? Oklahoma City Olympic fencing or something. But I learned fencing from a couple of Olympians oh. for about two months. And it was, it, was, it was really wonderful. So now that is something for the resume. It really is. How cool is that? It's like, well, I'm doing these pants rolls eventually. So I probably should also become a fencer. That is awesome. I remember my dad used to fence uh, actually in college for him as well. And we used to, we, he still had his equipment. So we'd put those helmets on and I don't know if they're still that heavy, but our little bobbleheads, we only weighed like 40 pounds when we were younger and it just be so heavy on our heads. Anyway, are the helmets still really heavy? Oh yeah, they're heavy. <laughs> you have to get the right one where it fits just right and like, you know, as a singer, I don't like things pushing on the larynx. And so yes. I get one that was not too tight and not <laughs> like that, but it was certainly still heavy. That didn't change anything. Like yeah. That. And you're a little person. So I can oh, oh man. And, and they probably see you coming and they think, okay, she's, she's sweet and she's beautiful, but then you pull out that sword and it's like, yes, ma'am, we will not oh, mess with you. That was my favorite thing about fencing is that I would show up in my Lululemon leggings and my <laughs> sneakers and I was like, I'm ready to fence. And I put on all my garb and my head would go down and they'd be like, oh God, she's winning. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> like I told you there's nothing I can't do other than knitting. That's right. <laughs> Or crocheting that too. <laughs> oh, there's two things. Wow. Well, that, that is really fun. And I love that you have that skill and we as women need to do more of those types of things. So, uh, did you grow up in Oklahoma? I did. I was born and raised in Oklahoma. I was born in Muskogee, Oklahoma. So I am an Okie from Muskogee. I grew oh, up, nice. I grew up in a little town outside of Tahlequah called um, Keys, Oklahoma. It's pretty close to Park Hill. Okay. But I grew up right there next to the capital of the Cherokee Nation. That's fantastic. Well, it's a good spot to live because I grew up in Anadarko, which is certainly not anywhere near the Choctaw Nation or Choctaw people. So you were lucky to get to be near them. I absolutely was. I was around here <laughs> since I was little. That's great. That's great. And how about you, Kirsten? Where'd you grow up? I'm from, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, and I was raised in Fremont, Ohio. Um, I'm back in that area now, but um, I left after my grad school from the um, 
Midwest and I went down to Georgia for a couple of years and then to the East Coast where I found it, co-founded my company. Um, my great grandparents were in um, Muskogee as well. So my grandfather, who unfortunately passed away when I was very young, like two, he was, uh, you know, grew up as indeed an Okie from Muskogee as well. <laughs> um, but we would go down to Muskogee and visit my grandfather, my great grandfather, because um, he was the only one still living down there when I was younger. And um, so I spent quite a bit of time in Oklahoma growing up too, but uh, never actually lived there. So, you know, it sounds like all three of us kind of grew up not in like, not Chicago, not New York city. You know, we kind of grew up in these maybe more rural areas for some of us. What, what prompted you both to get into singing opera? Kate, why don't you start? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> I got into singing opera specifically because Whenever I started my freshman year of high school, I met Barbara McAllister, who is a world-renowned dramatic mezzo-soprano who had an extensive career performing in opera houses around the world. And she decided to retire partially and come back to her home in Muskogee, Oklahoma and give back to her tribe by giving free voice lessons to citizens of the Cherokee Nation. Oh, that's amazing. It is. Really was amazing because I, I got to study under her and gain this passion for opera that she has and she just fostered that in me as her student and I decided to go ahead and pursue a career in opera and I've loved it every single moment. That's amazing and I'm looking at photos of her right now on my phone. Um, to be honest with you I feel like I had heard her name before. I'm so out of the loop with opera um, you know, more than I, I used to be definitely, uh, more well-versed on certain things, but I just, I love that. I love that she came back and was like, this is what I want to do. And, um, and so she is, she is Cherokee, correct? Yes. Yes, she is. That's fantastic. And she, uh, wasn't a, she started her career as an apprentice with the Santa Fe opera company. Pretty cool. Gotta love it. And she won the Lauren Zachary competition, and um, which launched her career in Europe. And her voice teachers were Lee and Sally Sweetland in Los Angeles, and eventually their son, Steve Sweetland. And so, so and I, I just wanted to uh, comment on Barbara McAllister for a minute. So um, I, I have never met her in person, but we are friends. And I would say that she's kind of adopted me as one of her own, even though I've never studied with her or, or sung with her. Other than she was a video, uh, she had a video performance on our Circle of Resilience concert. Oh. So she was part of it. And she sang, um, she sang a couple of Cherokee songs. And then she also sang um, the Brahms Lullaby. So it was just really lovely, you know. And Beautiful. Um, she's, she's just unlike anyone you know, but like so many people you know at the same time. Right. And I don't know a better way to describe her than that. She's just very warm. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, she's kind of a, the matriarch of classical singers in the, in the, uh, you know, native world these days. So I, I, she's paved the way for a lot of what we're doing now. That's and fantastic. In, in a time that maybe it was just not even acknowledged so much that she was right. You know, native. So, <laughs> right. 
Yeah. So now, I mean, I, I, she's still going strong. She's still very proud of all of her students. She's still teaching lots of students. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. It's very cool too uh, that she's 80 and still, still doing all that. That shows it really is her passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she loves Kate. Kate is her protege. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love her. She is known as the grandmother of Native American music. And I consider her my grandmother of a sorts, just for how much she's done for me and how supportive she's been my entire life. It's, uh, I don't know how I could ever repay the amount of time she's invested in me but I hope that I'm doing it now. I love that. Yes, you are. You're going out there and you're carrying through with, you know, honestly, like for a teacher to work so hard with you and take you under their wing and for you to quit (laughs) is, is like the most hurtful thing that you can possibly do to a music teacher. I kind of did that to mine, Dr. Charles Chapman, when I was studying under him and, um, I don't think it broke his heart or anything, but he was very frustrated with me. And then I got back into music, but I was living in a different state at that time. And, and, uh, so people don't do that to your voice teachers, carry on and make them proud, (laughs) go out there and do what you've been taught. (laughs) And, and how about you, Kirsten, what got you started into singing? Well, I, I had a mother who was a pianist and she loved classical music. So I grew up hearing classical music, but I grew up loving musical theater mm. and I was a hundred percent in on musical theater, um, from day one, from day one. And then I got with a teacher, my own Barbara, Barbara Kondalski. She's also still alive. She's also still supporting me. Um, Great. you will see pictures of her coming to my concerts on Facebook and Instagram. Um, she is wonderful and she's still very, very supportive. And, and, and like Kate, she's like a mother to me as well. Aww. So she's a wonderful person. Um, And she got me started in classical music, singing classical music and opera. Um, I auditioned for my first opera when I was, I believe, 12 or 13. And I did the the adult chorus of Tosca, um, which I was so proud of myself at the time that I wasn't in the children's chorus. Um, (laughs) Look at me. That's so cool. (laughs) It was just really awesome. And that was the first opera I ever did. I did um, chorus all the way through um, with Toledo Opera all the way through college and performed in shows at Bowling Green and so forth and so on. It just kind of went from there. And so I went straight through school and I was hooked. The first opera ever I ever saw was Faust. And I was just so blown away by the costumes and the scenery mm. and the makeup and everything being larger than life, even more so than musical theater. And I right. thought, if this right. is the pinnacle, if this is the height of what the voice can do, that's what I want to do. It's like the ultimate drama, right? It's like you, you listen and you, and you just get goosebumps and you want to cry. And it's just, I don't know, there's something about it. And maybe it's because, you know, there's always the virgin that dies at the end. I don't know, but it always <laughs> makes me cry. <laughs> oh, I fell in love and it, I, you know, I haven't looked back. I got to sing Marguerite once um, oh. a, a couple of years ago and it was like a full circle and I was just so excited. So yeah, it's, I love opera. If, any, if anyone's listening, who's never heard opera, you know, go check it out, mm-hmm. find something that, you know, is live even better, but even on YouTube, just go check it out. I agree. To us. And- We're cool with that too. That, oh yes. Let's start there. Listen to Kirsten and Kate. And then, you know, you can go listen to other things too, after you've listened to them. But I've always thought too, that 
if people kind of had like a, a tools in their toolkit to, to start listening to opera, like there's always the things like Nessendorma with Pavarotti. You can't go wrong with that. If that doesn't give you goosebumps as a first time listener, I don't know what does. So that would be my recommendation. Um, so again, that's uh, Nessendorma and the Pavarotti version is amazing. Although there's many other singers out there that also do a great job. So how about y'all? I'm going to put you on the spot, Kirsten and Kate, who would you recommend that someone listen to or a, a specific piece or whatever to start? My, my <laughs> uh, gateway opera that I always recommend is a mall night visitors. It's in English. It's a nice children's Christmas story. It's 45 minutes long, if, you know, it, and kids can see it. It's, it's very wholesome, but as far as beautiful music, I love La Boheme or Carmen. Oh, one of right. those as a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and they'll, they'll understand, or sorry, they will uh, recognize some of the songs because yeah, absolutely. they've been in Bugs Bunny. They've been in you know commercials and those are two really good ones. Um, I love that. What about you, Kate? You know, I really love Lenozzi de Figaro. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's one they'll recognize. <laughs> With Isabel Leonard as Caravino. Okay, good, good. I should actually type these out for everyone on and find some links for everybody when I post on social so that you can easily go reference these. Go out there and listen. It's really sad that a lot of people stopped listening to it. It's great that people like the three tenors came along or Andrea Bocelli, and some people kind of snub their noses at it because it's, you know, kind of commercialized or whatever, but I still think it's a great way for people to kind of dip their toe in and find out what they like to listen to, who they like to listen to, and then grow your repertoire from there and start, you know, reading about and learning about other singers and all that. And the greats, you know, some of those from many years, like I used to love Beverly Sills. Um, oh, how about you guys? Who are some of your favorite singers, either from right now or from before? Um, my all-time favorite person ever is UC Bierling, uh, tenor. Um, okay. I love his E Luce Van Stelle from Tosca. It's my favorite recording. Um, it's maybe not as famous as Nessun Dorma. He did that too, I think. Um, okay. <laughs> but um, Regine Crespin is one of my favorite singers. That's a woman. Um, she's kind of a Zwischenfach, which means kind of she does both soprano and mezzo, which I did for years. I still do really? a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And then um, Leontine nice. Price. Leontine Price oh. is one of my go-to. Yes. I just love her so much. Any recording she does, I'm like, that's my default. I just think she's amazing. So much power there. Yeah. So much. How about you, Kate? I always listen to Jesse Norman. Mm, there you go. <laughs> Jesse Norman. I wow. did Brown Lieber on my recital recently. And I just kept listening to her and I was like, oh, you got to stop at some point. So that, <laughs> I, was listening to her. I was practicing it myself because I just love, love hearing her perform. Oh, wow. You know, um, I am never starstruck in my life where I, where I don't know what to say, mm -hmm. but I got to meet Jesse Norman once and it was the only <gasps> time I have ever been starstruck where I, I mean, she, she asked me how I was and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> You're asking me how I'm doing. <laughs> so I got my obligatory picture and, you know, got out of her way, but it was, it was pretty cool. I was supposed to be in an opera with her and unfortunately she wasn't able to do it. She had to back out, but, um, 
I still got to meet her later and that was great. But her Monque Souvre I mean, we're talking shop now, is yes. seeing that live was the most beautiful, amazing thing I've ever seen live. And oh. that's from Samson and Delilah. Um, Google it, YouTube it. Yeah. It's amazing. It's just phenomenal. That's great. I love good it choice, so Kate. much. Good choice. <laughs> Both of y'all, good choices. I like it. Now I'm inspired. I'm going to go listen to some opera tonight. So for those who may not know what a spinto soprano and a lyric mezzo soprano are, feel free to explain. Sure. Um, a spinto soprano is also the equivalent of a young dramatic soprano. Mm -hmm. It is between a lyric soprano and a... Um, dramatic soprano mm. so it's like a lyric but it's a little fuller has a little more cut and what i mean mean by cut is that you will hear it over a larger orchestra mm. um there's a little bit more they say steel to the voice um but it, it is a little bit more brash if you will than a lyric soprano that being said it's not as full and brash i, I don't mean brash in a bad way i just yeah. mean as a color yeah. um than as a dramatic soprano so um it's it's a full full lyric soprano voice really that has a little more cut so um and and that kind of voice type often can also do like i mentioned before a little bit some of the mezzo roles too wow so pretty versatile yeah. And then when you're saying dramatic for our listeners, think about the Wagnerian singers, you know, and they don't always wear helmets with horns, by the way, <laughs> but that's like probably what, yeah, yeah. And that's what probably people remember the most is, um, you know, those, those are more of the dramatic Wagnerian type, uh, sopranos that really heavy, beautiful. That's all beautiful, but okay. And how about, how about your voice type, Kate? Tell us more. I am a high lyric mezzo soprano, which means that um, I have a higher extension. But like Kirsten mentioned, there is a dramatic mezzo soprano, which is what Barbara McAllister is. And then there's also a category known as low lyric mezzo sopranos. Um, and I am that category between them. Um, the difference between a lyric soprano and the lyric mezzo soprano is that the mezzo has a warmth in the lower notes and mm -hmm. in the middle of the voice, a sort of color, like a darker full color that sometimes isn't heard in a lyric soprano. So for those who may not have heard my previous episode about Shell Shaker, a Chickasaw opera, this is a groundbreaking opera. And again, it's written by Chickasaw composer Jared Impachachaha Tate. And the reason this is groundbreaking is, again, because this is the very first opera composed in a native language. And again, in this case, Chickasaw. So Kirsten tells me that the original date that was scheduled for 2022, which I had mentioned on season two um, in that episode, it, it has now been rescheduled for February 2023. So stay tuned and we'll continue to update you on that exact date for uh, Shell Shaker. Um, something like this opera hasn't been done before, obviously. So the composition, the language, and even the, the costuming, it's unique. And I'm glad Mr. Tate is doing this the right way. He's ensuring that every detail is perfected. So since you both are starring in Shell Shaker, tell me about the roles that you're each playing. Go ahead, Kate. You're the you're the main lady. The main lady. Well, 
I am Loxi, which is the main character, and Loxi is the one that the opera follows, and she has a lot of experiences and goes on this journey um, to bring shell shakers to her village. Mm. And so, and she learned some confidence along the way, right? Absolutely. Just like with any journey, there are always going to be trials and tribulations and relationships formed, and there are going to be lessons learned along the way. And I'm hoping that's something that audiences take from this is that they can relate to Loxi's journey and mm-hmm. that they can see a bit of their own journeys reflected in her experiences. Fantastic. I like that. Well, we can't wait to see you perform it. I am so very excited. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And have you started um, practicing for that role yet? Or is it too far out? It is too far out. The libretto is still being worked on and the score where we are still workshopping it, but I cannot wait to get started on it. It should be um, ready to workshop even more very soon. Oh, that's great. It's great. It's coming along. And Kirsten, what role are you playing? I am playing Iposi and also Loxi Iposi. Um, that is the grandmother and grandmother turtle. Um, Loxi so means turtle in Chickasaw. Um, so Kate is playing a, a young girl, but her name happens to be Loxi, named after the turtle. So mm-hmm. to clarify that. Okay. Um, so I am playing Kate's grandmother. So I'm the primary elder of the story. Um, and then uh, I don't want to give away too much, but it is a Chickasaw folklore. It is Chickasaw folklore. So mm-hmm. you could look it up if you want. But um, the grandmother does play an integral part in guiding and, and also coming to final terms of how these shells come back to the people. Um, so it's it's an important role. Um, when I've talked to Jared about it, I've told him, you know, I really truly respect and and feel respected that he chose me to yes. play that elder role because of part. the role of elders in native culture so i'm really excited about that um i'm very excited about it and um <laughs> i know it's going to be absolutely beautiful it's going to be hard because jared never writes easy music um <laughs> it's going to be very hard but it's going to be very challenging and worth it once we get it there and yes we do have a piano workshop before we uh will be doing this in february okay that's so yeah. exciting and you will be a very very young grandma so they must be <laughs> doing something to your hair to make it look older I, or something i imagine they will be doing something to me this is concert version that we're doing but it will be costumed yeah. um margaret wheeler is doing the uh, costuming and she is a fantastic designer um she does a lot of textiles as well as costumes and she's brilliant so look her up as well she's fantastic that's great and i was so lucky to get to see some of those renderings of the you know what you'll be wearing and all that do you love it are you so excited to get to wear that those costumes it's it's going to be so special i really do think it's i mean every element of this is being so thought out to make sure it is presented in the most respectful and traditional yet worthwhile way so that we can carry on a legacy. And part of that legacy is that we are creating this legacy for the future. So Jared has plans for writing, I think, three operas um, that are in native languages. And this is the first one. 
Amazing. Amazing. That's going to be so much work, especially because, you know, the idea of, and I was talking to him as, as you heard the episode, I was talking to him about the idea of something so different is putting the Chickasaw language with those notes and knowing that, you know, if you study how to write an Italian opera, you obviously have to put the, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? The diction? Yeah, the diction and then syllables, like everything mm. has to match the notes with the syllables, with the diction, with, I mean, and, and with, if your voice is going high, you don't want to be singing on a really hard uh, vowel or, or um, consonant, obviously. So it's things like that, that I'm just like, how is he doing that? That's got to be, if I were you guys, I would be so glad he's doing that part and you are doing the singing <laughs> part. <laughs> great yeah it's yeah. going to be really cool they're he, they're currently working on an english version of it so that it can be done in either english or chickasaw mm -hmm. um and then the the final libretto will be translated into chickasaw by joshua henson okay. who is okay. fluent in the language jared jared is not fluent but joshua is okay makes sense yeah. you gotta get those experts in there to That's and there's right. not very many of them so yeah so inquiring minds want to know Okay. I'm the inquiring mind. What's it like to work <laughs> with Jared? I mean, to me, he is so inspiring and you know, he's such a positive influence in the native world. Is he like that all the time? Yes. Yes. Wow. yes. That's amazing. <laughs> Kate, feel free to talk about your relationship with Jared a little bit, if you like. Well, from the first moment that I met Jared, he just had this energy that was so positive and it just like carries on to the people around him that are near him or anybody that talks to him. Mm -hmm. Like he also has this confidence and this way of presenting himself. That's like, that's my elder. I'm going to respect everything he says, but he's also so fun to hang out with. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so that's, exactly. That's, I really love this relationship because he's in Oklahoma city. So I have the opportunity to, um, go to events and go see him. And I mean, the Oklahoma city Philharmonic is about to perform one of his compositions just this Saturday that I'm going to go watch ghost of the white deer. It's a, a bassoon concerto. Hmm. I'm really looking forward to that. And it's, it's really wonderful because he's kind of just, become a huge part of my support system. Yeah. Which been one year to be honest with you. And we were talking a, a little bit about this earlier is that in the music world, the opera world specifically, and I guess the musical worlds as well, but let's talk opera. Um, it's, it can be a cutthroat scenario. There aren't, there's more singers than there are parts. And a lot of times conductors, composers, they're not always the nicest people. I love what they do. I'm so proud that they put out such beautiful music for us. But at the same time, sometimes it can be a little bit difficult to work with. <laughs> I don't think any singer would, would disagree with that. But, um, and on top of that, not every soprano and mezzo soprano are there to support each other. And I think it's wonderful that the three of you, and I assume the other singers as well, have this just great relationship doing this. And I probably, do you feel like part of that too, is that you have this common bond of the native blood and, and just kind of like, Hey, we're, we're kind of all in this together. Um, but also maybe I'm just thinking out loud, 
with Jared being a leader in this situation with the composition itself and putting this all together, seems like his influence is from the top down to the crew, the team, the everyone to be supportive of each other because that's just how he is. Okay. Now you, you talk, I'm sorry. I just keep (laughs) assuming things, but I may be wrong. No, I, I think there's, there's some truth to that for sure. Um, I think we lucked out that everyone that we did the Circle of Resilience concert with, including Grant Youngblood, who um, we haven't mentioned, but he is a wonderful Verdi baritone that we sang with as well. Mm. Um, all of us just got along so well. And I think that it wasn't so much because we're native. I think that happened to be a bond that brought mm-hmm. us together for this concert. And it's something that always came up and we talked about but it was more that we're just people that want to create good music with good people. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to because in the long run, it doesn't behoove anyone to not be supportive. And I think we're all smart enough to realize that, you know, there's, there's no one gets ahead by jealousy. No one gets ahead by, by, you know, cutthroat behavior. And, and why would we, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, there, we want, more native music we want to be the representation for the next generation that's important you know kate is the next generation for me but if people see both of us performing and doing well that only encourages more people that's that's it's a good thing no matter how you look at it um jared is very supportive and he he definitely has this vibe where it's like once he's chosen you you are one of his and i mean Mm -hmm. that in a in the best way, not yeah. in like a cult leader way, um, <laughs> but, but more right. like, um, you know, like he, once he decides he likes working with you, then he wants to work with you. And it's just nice because every time I talk to him, he's like, I can just can't wait to work with my friends again. Oh, and that's really that. what he says every time. Um, yeah. So I, I met Jared once years ago at the National Museum of the American Indian. I don't think he remembers meeting me, to be very mm-hmm. honest. We've been in touch online and he knew me online right. um, as well as you do probably, Rachel. You know, like that's the kind of yeah. person I put out. Um, I'm, I, I don't hide anything from people online. I'm pretty love open. It. I love it. Um, but, um, you know, he kept recommending me and I kept recommending him. And eventually we finally got together huh. in Bozeman. And the coolest thing happened where I was asked to sing a piece of his and he played a piece that I did all together. So we got to play each other's music. That's so cool. And it was really amazing. And Jared's a much more prolific composer than I will ever be. I never considered myself a composer. I happened to compose a piece, you know? And he was so positive and encouraging and told me how good it was from day one. And I was like, ah, he's just blowing smoke. He's just trying to make me feel good. And then, (laughs) and then I got the message from our artistic director, um, Michael Saker. He's like, no, he really likes it. He's not just saying it to make you feel good. And I could tell he actually really did. And that meant so much that he respected that Mm -hmm. as much as he did, you know? So I think there was that bond there. But honestly, in the past, like Kate said, it's been a year. It was in May of last year that we did this. Um, he's become probably one of my closest people in my musical circle. Uh, we talk regularly. We're friends. We're, we're legitimate good friends at this point. We talk about Native things. We talk about our children. We talk yeah, about yeah. everything, you know, and um, one big hurdle I've been having with my own journey with the, the Native 
world involves my daughter getting citizenship and it's been, you know, paperwork and paperwork and paperwork. Mm -hmm. And Jared has been the one I've been talking to, to say, okay, how do I handle this? How, what, what's the next step? Because he's just been so supportive and, um, you know, and it's, it's not just music. So when we do get back to music and that's what we all love, there's a bond there because we've been able to develop real legitimate sincere friendships sincere exactly yeah it's not just um i don't know surface stuff it's deep conversations and i do it has to make the performance better too it just has to because you know you're all kind of in sync you know each other well you support each other there's nothing like being yelled at by a director or or something you know when you're really not that that won't happen it could happen but um if it did happen in your case, at least, you'd know, he loves you. It's not like, you know, he's, he, he doesn't think you're doing a good job. He's probably just frustrated with how hard it all is. Um, I, yeah. I think he would be more hard on himself that he didn't make it more accessible for us. He's oh that kind goodness. of a guy. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Kate? Absolutely. He is. If there was something that was uncomfortable in our voices that he had written, he would immediately say, okay, I'll rewrite that and I'll change that. How cool is that though, to be kind of in the middle of all that? So you can go, oh, this is not working. (laughs) Well, he sent me a snippet of something he was thinking of for my character or for Shell Shaker. And I said, oh, you really have me hanging up out on those high Bs repeatedly, don't you? And he's like, (laughs) oh, I'll change it. I need this feedback. You know, oh, that's said, awesome. Okay. <laughs> oh, see, you're a part of that. That's so neat. Yeah. Wow. It is neat. It's a really cool thing. I love working with live composers, uh, you know, living composers, not live composers, um, <laughs> living composers, <laughs> right. because right. I mean, that interaction that you get to have is really exciting. There's also a lot of pressure because you want mm. to do right by it. Right. But it's, there's just something special about working with a living composer and, and Jared's yes. so nice. I, I, you know, he's one of my favorite composers now and not just cause I like him as a person. I enjoy his music. You know, it's really exciting. Yeah. So much talent. Yeah. And I mean, this significance we've been talking about of native Americans in classical music and opera, this isn't exactly a topic that we have data or history on. There's nothing we can even pull from to compare to the past or go, okay, this is what this composer did. So maybe we'll kind of use some of that language or some of that um, method. So um, there was a wonderful person named Shane Doyle who was part of our concert. He did um, some ceremonial um, songs and part he was part of the drum circle at the end of the concert so it, you know we had a primarily classical concert but then he was part of that and we also had a, an entire drum circle that came mm. um and it was just beautiful and he was backstage in the green room if you will with us the whole time and the minute he met us he said i want you to come back to yellowstone next oh. year next summer and he said it to all of us but right. i I'm that kind of person that just, I get an opening and I just keep going. I say, <laughs> okay, um, so I need you to uh, tell me what's going on with this. And is this happening? Is this happening? His name is Shane Doyle and he works for Mountain Time Arts out, okay. of, uh, out of Bozeman, Montana. And what he meant by come to Yellowstone is that it's the 150th anniversary of Yellowstone as a wow. national park. And Mountain Time Arts has done this amazing installation of teepees at the north entrance Mm. of Yellowstone by the Great Arch, uh, the Roosevelt Arch at Yellowstone. 
And he has invited people from all of the tribes that once occupied the land that is now Yellowstone Park. So he's invited people from all those tribes to be part of installations of art and be able to talk about their their communities and their backgrounds and and their tribes but also this has become an all tribal event so all of the american indian population Mm. so um when i started nudging him and he was always on board with it oh yeah yeah we're gonna do this yeah we're gonna do this (laughs) um also, I've been teaching his daughter ever since then, so I had a good excuse for getting right. Um, so, <laughs> so um, it started out with, "Oh yeah, I'd love for you to come to sing," and then I said, "Well, you know, if you'd like, I could write a poem for the event." And he said, "Oh, we could probably commission that," and I said, "Oh, okay, cool." Oh. So that poem turned into, "Oh, maybe you could write a song." So, <laughs> so. I am writing a song that, and I wrote a song that I am premiering at Yellowstone for the 150th anniversary. Um, It is so exciting. And he has wanted Kate to come up as well and sing. And I don't know what Kate's singing yet, but I will be singing my piece and I have called (laughs) it Reclaim the Land. Um, And it is about all of the tribes coming together to come back to the land of Yellowstone. It talks about Yellowstone specifically. It talks about all the issues that we have as native people. It talks about water being sacred and residential schools and the Indian Removal Act Mm. and uh, braids being cut Mm. and things like that. And of course, some missing and murdered indigenous women's movement. So all of this is figured into this poem as well as geysers and snow-capped mountains and illuminated teepees. that you now have because of mountain time arts and so i'm so excited about this michael saker from intermountain opera bozeman will be playing piano for it and um kate didn't know that (laughs) i didn't know she looks surprised (laughs) and so she's excited we're all friends we're all close so um yeah so that is where that stands and that will be august 24th and 25th yeah yellowstone and gardner montana um, so if anyone is up that way or can be up that way, you can come see us. We will be singing for you. And mm-hmm. then um, our opener, and I'm going to call him our opener, even though he's way more famous than us, is Superman, who's the rapper, hip hop. Awesome. Guy. Okay, so um, <laughs> he's it. the 23rd. He's going to be the day before. But if you're coming up for him, you better stick around for us because we're going to be amazing. What and, an amazing um, event. This is going to be fantastic. And uh, is there a cost to get in? I don't know that yet. I don't okay. believe so, but I, I would be surprised if there is. I, I think they want it to be very open and welcoming to people. Um, Yellowstone might have a fee, but I believe this is on the uh, outside of the actual park okay. entrance. Okay. So, And by yeah. the way, this is <laughs> August 23rd through 25th of 2022. Yes. Um, at the time that we're recording this. So, okay. yes. So well, if, if this is already passed, hopefully there's great video footage of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I bet there yes. will be. Shane told me there would be drones videotaping. And I said, that's well, that's neat. cool. That's so neat. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's really cool. And, um, and I'll also be singing a piece that um, I premiered in New York city last December um, called Anna's moon aria. And it's inspired by the uh, killers of the flower moon. And oh, she's goodness, one of the characters. Really? So, so I'm, I'm going to be singing that again. That's by a composer named Scott Joyner. And he actually hired me 
because he had gotten 25 individual recommendations for me as a Native American soprano. Oh, he's like, I got to call this girl. (laughs) I was like, well, that makes me feel really good about myself that 25 different people recommended me. Yes. So so if you want to find that, that's, um, that's under Mountain Time Arts out of Bozeman, Montana. And I'm looking for the actual title of it. It is called the All Nations TP Village. Okay. Perfect. All Nations TP Village. There will also be performance art projects and original art digitized onto banners in the village. Says Shane. That'll be so neat. Wow. Yeah, what what an experience, awesome. you know, like having all of those nations come together. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's very historic. Um, honestly, I mean, in my 41 years, this is going to be one of the highlights of my life. And I have no oh, doubt of that nice. whatsoever. Oh, yeah. Again, you're going to have goosebumps the whole time, the whole time. So, and you also composed a work um, that, speaking of the poetry, that include the poetry of your own ancestor, right? Is it yes, Alex yes. Posey? Is that how you say his name? Yes, Alex Posey. So okay. Alex Posey was known as the bard of the Muscogee Nation for a very long time, maybe mm-hmm. still is. Um, nowadays, you've got Joy Harjo, who's probably a little more famous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but other than that, um, Posey is probably considered the most famous Muscogee poet. And he, um, he was my great, great, great uncle. And so I was listening to you uh, talking on your one of your podcasts about how you have a relative who was had a mugshot. And that's the picture you have of him. Right? (laughs) Right. So Alex was was very, very, you know, he, he followed the law. But my great, great grandfather did not so he, he actually killed a man in a bar fight so i believe he had a mugshot in there somewhere as well yeah but that was his oh, brother frank posey frank posey was his brother and he's he's my direct line um wow. that's <laughs> but, amazing um, i know isn't isn't that cool, cool yeah story? oh totally um, but um you know, I grew up knowing about Posey, knowing that he was the famous one of my line of, you know, I'm on all sides of the family. He was the most famous person. And so when I did my doctorate, um, I commissioned a bunch of songs, 16 different songs by different composers. And um, I, I happened to write one of the pieces because it was in pidgin English and my brother wanted to be involved. He played slap double bass, mm-hmm. um, you know, the kind of stuff you hear in bars. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and he uh he wanted to be part of it because he thought it was kind of cool and no one wanted to compose it because it wasn't about flowers and it wasn't you know about um you know history it i had a poem about called ode to sequoia i had a poem about mount shasta lots of poems about flowers yeah. and things like that but <laughs> this one is part of his fuss fixico which is very famous as well um he was a journalist in order as well and he was full of satire in fuss fixico so um this is written as prose but it's also written as poetry Mm -hmm. and I decided I was going to set it if no one else would so I never fancied myself a composer but here I am getting commissioned to write for Yellowstone so maybe I'm a composer you're a composer girl that's (laughs) I'm a composer I guess yeah you know what and I have to say because we've been talking about Mr. Tate so much he's been the most supportive person about this and I said to him Jared I am breaking all sorts of rules he says break them break them it's fine they're they're meant to be broken and I mean you know like if if the, the main native 
you know, symphonic composer out there is telling me to do that. I guess I can probably do that. That's right. So, um, I love but that. Yeah. So that one's called Hot Gun on the Death of Yudeka Harjo. It is set for piano, voice, and uh, double bass, slap double bass. And um, the amazing Julia Silvarp did it at our concert. Uh -huh. And she's a cellist and she did not ever play a slap bass, but she decided <laughs> she was going to do it anyway. And I said, that was okay. She didn't have to, she could do it on cellist. We could uh, adapt it. Yeah. She said, Nope, I'm going to do it the way you wanted it. And she did. She was amazing. So um, if you wow. want to see that, I did put it on my YouTube and on my website, I got permission from Intermountain Opera Bozeman to oh. do that. So you can check that out too. I love it. Okay. I'm definitely going to check that out. I know our listeners will too. I hope How, so. What a story oh, and the cool thing is, is that um, the Muskogee Nation has actually aired that a few times during election results. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> How neat is that? Yeah. That wow. that was really special to me that that happened. Yeah, totally. And again, you're female and you're Muskogee and getting to do this is probably is just such an honor, but also it's something for folks to look up to other girls, whether they're native or non-native. Um, that we can do this kind of thing. And there's really nothing holding you back. Like you said, sometimes we need that little push from our friends to go break the rules, you know, yeah, do what you want true. to do. It's true. I'll tell you, um, you know, for anyone listening, some of the best opportunities in my life have come because I just said, okay, to something I didn't know if I could do anyway, but I thought I'd try it. I had wow. an inkling that maybe I could maybe do it. And it's probably scared me more than anything else, but I did it anyway. And that's how so many doors have opened in my life wow. just by saying yes, instead of no and trying it. That's inspiring. I like good, that. Good. I hope people <laughs> will take that away from this episode too. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of family, so you have that really interesting story about your great, great, great uncle. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you know about your ancestral stories or parents, grandparents, um, you know, did they speak Muskogee? Did they go to, well, of course they did up to a certain point, right? Did they go to boarding school? You know, what interesting so, stories do you know? Yeah. So, um, as you, as I mentioned, I was born in Ohio, so I was not part of the tribal lifestyle whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that wasn't, that wasn't part of my life. My father very much encouraged it. My father is as white as white can get. He is German and Polish. I mean, like okay. he's, <laughs> he's very white, but he loved the fact that my mother was Muskogee and he, he encouraged it far more than I think she would have on her own. Hmm. So going back a ways. Um, so obviously Posey was big on, um, English because he wanted his people to have all the benefits of the white world uh, so he pushed english he never wrote muskogee and i think that was very intentional he definitely spoke it he spoke many languages mm -hmm. um fluently and he was very well versed and he was an intelligent man he died very young but mm -hmm. he he had a very tragic life um lost children things like that and so um his life was very hard but he also really worked hard to advance his people in the best way he knew how and so he was actually, he actually died in a flood trying to get his people um, land allotments during the whole Dawes no. Commission. So Are yeah, he died in a flood. Yeah. And he was young. He was in his thirties. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I mentioned Frank already. Um, I, I gather Frank was not quite as educated as Alex. Um, I don't know that for sure, but he's a little bit of a hoodlum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, I, I have heard, and I don't know for sure, but I have heard that in the family line, there's some Chickasaw as well. Um, but we, um, my great grandmother, we called her high guy. She was mm -hmm. before she, before, um, 
before she died before I was born, but they called her hi guy because every time she would come out to greet people, she'd say, hi guys. <laughs> um, so her name I was, was trying Eloise. to figure out what, what yeah. the, it might mean in Muskogee. <laughs> no, it didn't mean anything. She, um, she, her name was Eloise Posey and, um, Beautiful. she married, she married an Irishman. Um, <laughs> Okay. And so, That's so we have cozy. we have all sorts of mix of the, the melting pot of America in my blood. Yes. <laughs> and um and her son was my grandfather. Um, and that was uh Dick Raleigh. And he was um raised unfortunately to be um to hide his lineage because it was better for him in his uh, career path. Right. Um as far as residential schools, no, uh, because uh, the family lied about their blood quantum so that they could make sure their children stayed with them. Isn't so that, that was crazy. Yeah. And so even now, um, the blood quantum is probably off because that's what's on the rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe I am listed as significantly less than what I actually am. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. in Muskogee lineage, as long as you can prove lineage, <clears throat> you're, you're considered to be eligible for citizenship. Okay. And, yeah. um, my, my parents worked hard to get us citizenship, my brother and me citizenship. And, um, that's been something I've been working on very hard for my daughter too. just found out she got her role number. So I'm just waiting for her card to come <gasps> in the mail. So, you so did. I am so happy about that. It's been a long, long process, but, um, you know, I'll be happy and re- relaxed once I get that card in the mail. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, sure so important to me that now because of the world we live in where everything's available online like i want her to have much more interaction with Mm -hmm. the the tribe than i ever did and honestly i mean the minute i found out that i could take muskogee classes online i started the minute um the the first time i enrolled i i was like i was in fully in i'm teaching my daughter what i can she's two she's fighting it a little bit but she runs around the house all the time saying oh wah oh wah oh wah which means water and i mean she taught she doesn't say water she says oh wah and i'm just like i'll I'll go around i'll be like you know i'll try to say different words and i'll be like maga said she'll be like no no <laughs> I'm like come on come with me come on like, you know, Mado, no no Mado's. no she's like thank you but no Mado's. so I, I gotta so work funny. on her a little bit um but but she knows Muskogee class and she knows during Muskogee class she has to either watch with me or she can go play yeah um, but yeah. she listens she takes it in and I mean you know I I studied French Italian German a little bit of a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. and she can learn all of that from me as much as I can give her but no one is going to be able to give her Muskogee except for me and maybe her tribe. And that's important. And, you know, and I have to say one thing, one of my thing, my teacher says is, you know, our people, our mothers carried that language through the trail of tears. Hmm. They did everything they had to do to say that language. And if you learn one word, that's something that's special to you because that's something you're doing to carry on that, that legacy. And so, you know, she's got Owa. She'll get more. She's got a lot. That's um, right. <laughs> and water, <laughs> water's like life. Water's sacred. Right. You know, that's there the first go. word. That's fine. That's just fine. So we'll take it. So yeah, I don't have as much heritage as I would like directly, but um what I know about my my tribe is that you know, from my from my lineage is that they did what they had to do to keep the family intact. And that oh, was yes, that sure. speaks volumes to me that they would do whatever it took. Um 
to prioritize family first. And so unfortunately they did not, they did not carry on Muskogee language, um, but I'm bringing it back, you know, Bring Justin Timberlake brought sexy back. I'm bringing Muskogee back. That's right. <laughs> that was so cheesy. I'm so sorry, everyone. No, bring it on. <laughs> Kate's like, I am too young for this. <laughs> Justin Timberlake reference. <laughs> now, Kate, I wanted to hear from you too about, do you know much about your, your ancestral stories or interesting folks in your Cherokee tribe that you were related to and all that? Yeah, well, I am quite the melting pot of different cultures and backgrounds and of my ancestors. Uh, My paternal grandmother is where I, my Cherokee lineage comes from. And so I grew up with her talking about the Eads and the Whirlies and talking about our family tree, going back to how we, uh, that part of the family settled in the Bell community in Northeastern Oklahoma. Okay. um, my ancestor that she talked about the most was Penelope Roten Ross, who um, actually was on the trail, uh, traveled the Trail of Tears. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, her Cherokee name was uh, Chikelili, which means chickadee in Cherokee. And whenever I was younger, my grandmother told me that story. And then she gave me my Cherokee name. She gave me Penelope's name. Oh, you're so lucky to have that name. Absolutely. So there's, it's not really a pressure to carry on the Cherokee culture, but it's more of like, I want to honor Penelope's experiences and what she had to go through. I mean, every year the Cherokee Nation does a Remember the Removal Bike Ride Mm -hmm. where they choose, um, well, we have our first all-female um bike riders this year our first all-female team oh that's exciting ride all the way from cherokee north carolina where the eastern band is located and then they 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 ride all the way to tahlequah oklahoma back to the complex and just to imagine walking that oh i can't imagine weather events and I mean, they do this bike ride in the summertime. I mean, you got to think about like all the seasons and all the different, like people wanting you dead and walking that. Right, right. And so my grandmother would tell me that story about Penelope Roten Ross and um, how our lineage stems from her. And so I, I say my Cherokee name with pride. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And a lot of people don't know even that much about their ancestors. And I'm actually looking, trying to look her up right now. I'll Mm -hmm. continue looking on ancestry.com to see if I can find her. My grandfather um, would always talk about the Flanagan's because he's Irish and he's actually done a lot for the, for the Cherokee nation, especially because he was the head of the education department and really, um, helped with the Sequoia High School there. That's where I went to high school, but it used to be um, a boarding school. And so yeah. he, he was the head of education at Cherokee Nation for 20 years. And he really helped that community and really shaped that high school during his time. And then my my mother, um, my maternal grandfather is Mexican. And so my great grandmother, whenever she was just six years old, left Mexico and came to um, Southern California. And so I hear all the stories about the 
about the Sanchez and the Magdalena. And so I have a lot of ancestors that are immigrants yes. and all these horrible experiences to have me be here today. Well, I know you're both doing all of our ancestors proud and God bless them and what they all went through. And, and also Kirsten, you know, speaking of doing them proud for our listeners, Kirsten is the proud co-founder and artistic director of Wilmington Concert Opera, a grassroots women and minority led opera company in Wilmington, Delaware, she mentioned earlier, and upcoming events focus on feminist and Native American based projects, as well as continuing to bring opera to everyone through her work as an artistic director. By the way, you can learn more about this 501c3 founded in 2016 at wilmingtonconcertopera.com. And if you're ever up that way, listeners do take time to go see one of their upcoming performances. I've got it on my list to do as well. Um, so Kirsten, what performances do you have coming up and what else would you like our listeners to know about what this exclusively women and minority run organization is doing out there? Yeah. So, um, it started out as a small project between a friend and me and it has grown and grown and grown. And we are so proud of it. Nice. Um, like you mentioned, it is run exclusively minority and women-led, and we focus on traditional opera that is performed concert version at very high standards, um, primarily locally cast, but also um, a focus on making sure that it is family-friendly mm -hmm. and accessible, and that people who would not otherwise be able to afford to go to the opera have the ability to do so yes. we do mostly free concerts um if we do charge it's usually a fundraiser of some sort or someone else is actually producing so um it's very exciting we are doing a lot of really exciting things ever since the pandemic started we've done a lot of online content we did an online opera uh, we did dido and Aeneas, completely online all socially distanced cool. um we have a virtual recital series which is really cool you can go to the youtube page for one ah, concert opera like and you can see any of the recitals um we have everything from you know just fun traditional recital rep to an all filipino art song recital I mean, really cool wow, diversity right? as, far as that kind of stuff goes. Never yeah, heard of that and, either before being right. Done. And it's some beautiful music you never knew you existed. It's really amazing. Um, the really cool thing that's coming up is that we're doing a world premiere of an opera that I wrote the libretto for. So the libretto is the words, um, and it is. I, I had a collaboration in mind with this wonderful composer named Sarah Van Skyver. And she and I had done a project together before, also have never met in person, um, but this has all been distanced, mm -hmm, you know, right? even before socially distanced, <laughs> we know the thing. She composed for a piece I did with the Philadelphia Opera Collective. Um, and she was based in California at the time. So she just, I just never met her in person. Yeah. But um, she saw that I had written another libretto and reached out to me and said, hey, if you do another one, let me know, I'd love to compose it. And from there, I said, well, what topics interest you? And basically she gave me a lot of feminist ideas and lots of historical people. And it sent me down the rabbit hole of the internet. <laughs> and I picked go. some, she gave me like 50 ideas and I, I picked something that was not on her list at all. And um, <laughs> I, I picked the French Revolution. Oh, and cool. uh, it's a story of six different women who were real women during the French Revolution, all borderline aristocrats. Uh, not quite aristocrats, not royalty, but uh, they're all of the Girondist ideals. Mm -hmm. So um, against Robespierre, against Marat. 
And in my story, the only fictional part of it is that they knew each other and would meet to discuss their political oh, ideas. Oh, cool twist. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And so um, true to life, three were beheaded by the guillotine during mm -hmm. the French Revolution. Three lived to carry on the legacy. These are all real famous women. Um, we have Charlotte Corday, who I will be singing because I, I, I wrote it. I can claim it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Charlotte Corday, who was the one who actually murdered Marat in his bathtub. Um, she's, she's the most famous one, but Olympe de Gouges, um, there, there's, um, a famous poet, um, and there's a famous physician and chemist, and there's a famous, um, painter, the woman who painted all of Marie Antoinette's portraits. She's in there. Her name's Elizabeth. Wow. And, you know, there's all these women and how they interact and, and how their lives are not just the men in their lives, even mm -hmm. though it would be assumed that they were. And, you know, that they have this friendship and this bond, but they all want their own legacy too. And some of them get that legacy through their work and some of them don't. By being martyrs, some of them. Yes, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, you know, these are names that history has mostly forgotten. Charlotte Corday is the only one I knew when I started. And, you know, Madame Roland is there, uh, Madame de Stel. There, there's six of them. And they're all amazing women. The, mm -hmm. mo uh, the mother of modern chemistry is one of them. Wow. You know, um, Marie Anne Pierrette Pauls is her name. And anyway, they're, they're just fantastic, amazing women that we don't talk about anymore. And part of this was that I wanted to create something that gave an ensemble visceral roles to every woman in the show. So Wilmington Concert Opera is producing this. Uh, we will be doing it in Wilmington and it will be in October. It nice. is um, double cast so that uh, everyone gets to do the role and gets to put it on their resumes and gets to have that opportunity to sing the new music. I love the music. It's very thematic. It's accessible, but not, not too easy you know if that makes sense mm -hmm. um i write a lot of words and sarah has done this amazing thing where she puts a lot of words in a small space which gives <laughs> it some yeah. urgency there's some urgency to it that you might not get otherwise so mm -hmm. um you know she's writing it for piano and voice and um harp and electronics so it's Whoa. a really cool combination of things. She's done a lot of film scoring. So electronics come a little easier to her than they might to other composers. And she works at CalArts um, as well. So she has, you know, that, that California film industry yeah. vibe going on. Um, and she's a new mom too. So I'm, I'm a fairly new mom. She's a new mom. And, and that's kind of a cool thing. Fantastic. Working through a world premiere piece with, you know, <laughs> moms of young children you know so you jelly know, on your shoulder yeah there's that there's that element of we understand what it's like when you just have to drop everything and take care of your kid um right. you know but at the right. same time we still get the work done and that's something that is super important to me that I show that although I have this toddler I'm still doing all the things I always wanted to do and striving to do them. And it's important for the world to see that, but it's so much more important for my mm. daughter to see it I so that, that someday she will do what her passions are. Fantastic. So, so that's just one of many things going on with Wilmington Concert Opera. Um, you can absolutely find it on the web, Facebook, Instagram, 
YouTube. Um, I do all the social media. So if you wow. interact with any of the social media, you'll be interacting with me. Um, <laughs> and um, I, I love it. I spend so much of my time on it and it's, it's my artistic baby. It really is. Yeah. You are living, both of you are just out there living the singer's dream, getting to actually, uh, you know, work, which is cool. Yeah. And you're getting to do some indigenous pieces. And so speaking of like, um, how can we support these efforts, you know, for our indigenous sisters out there, there at Wilmington concert opera, as well as, uh, the minority groups that are, that you're working with today. Um, if they want to donate, how can they do so? Uh, you can go to the website and there's donation buttons. And also you can subscribe to the newsletter and that'll tell you everything we're doing. That's Perfect. brand new, by the way, that just came out. We have an awesome new board member who's doing all that for us. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah. I was going to say, cool. if you're taking that on too. Oh my no, Lord. No, no, no. We decided um, it was her idea anyway, but we love the idea of having a voice that wasn't one of the co-founders. Yeah. 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 That's great. So, yeah. so that's uh, wilmingtonconcertopera.com. Perfect. And I'm excited yeah. to keep following you all and seeing what goes on there at Wilmington and Kate, now that you're going to be heading out into the world. And honestly, it's just been, uh, tonight's been so much fun. Just being one of the opera girls with you both tonight, the three sopranos. So yeah. thanks for letting me be one of the cool kids. Um, but before <laughs> I, we go, I wanted to ask both of you, um, if you had any words of wisdom for others out there, I think you've kind of peppered some in there, uh, throughout this episode tonight, but, you know, maybe young native girls or women, um, or even non-native who also wish to start singing or who think they don't have the confidence to get up there and speak or sing or perform, but they'd, they'd like to, to do something like that, or, or maybe just feel free to, you know, share some inspiration or how you, anything that you think someone would like to hear. Um, Kate, let's start with you. Yeah, it, I won't sugarcoat it. It is a very vulnerable art. It's very vulnerable because you're using your voice to tell a story. And that's something that's a part of the inspiration that I would give to people that are wanting to start singing or that are afraid that their voice doesn't sound good enough or they listen to Jesse Norman and they're like, oh, I don't sound like her. I'm not going to sing. You know, comparison is truly the thief of joy. Hmm. And you can't compare your storytelling to that of someone else. Every individual human being has a story to tell that is individual to them. And every voice is individual to one person. So why not share that with others? Mm -hmm. So my, my words of wisdom would be don't hold back your gift, your voice and your story. Perfectly said. And honestly, that's great inspiration for me too, as well. So, and good luck, by the way, as you're graduating and heading out into the world to do big things, we're cheering you on way to go. Um, and, and so, and Kirsten, how about you? What would you like to share with others? Well, okay. That was perfect. That was right. I know. Sad. How do you that top that? No pressure. Yeah, I, it was really wonderful. Um, I, I think in my path, my weird path towards this odd life that I have that I really love. Um, I think that you just have to trust that you can do what you know you can do. Um, I think you have to put yourself out there, be willing to work harder than anyone else. And then when opportunity does happen, that you are ready, that you're always ready. Um, I don't ever stop working. 
ever. I I, I, other people watch movies and relax. If I watch a movie, I'm on my phone doing work at the same time. I, I, I that's the person I am. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very type A. I have to do things like that or else I don't feel productive. Um, but part of that is that I do get to do all these amazing things because I'm like that. Um, that being said, I love my, I love my life. I love that I have a family. Um, there are people that say you can't have a family and be a musician, a professional musician. You absolutely can. You have to have a great support system. Um, you have to have people there. You have to have your, your village, your tribe, mm-hmm. literally, you have to have your tribe. Um, I think that one thing that is important for me to just emphasize is no matter what you do, it is inherently native because you are native. It is inherent. What I do is inherently Muskogee, Muskogee because I am Muskogee. It is inherently German because I am German and Polish because I am Polish and so on. It flavors what I do and it flavors who I am with everything I do. So I might have written a libretto on Lady Macbeth and a libretto on French Revolution ladies. But it is Muskogee because I am Muskogee. And therefore it is indigenous work because I am indigenous. So someone says, oh, but that's not, that's not tribal. Well, it doesn't have to be tribal because it's me. It's still coming from my mind. It's still coming from my life and my personality. And it's who I am flavors what I do. So if you decide to do something and it isn't necessarily the way other people expect, it's fine. It's okay. You know, um, when I was doing my doctorate, I remember being um, at a museum in the Southwest and I went to, I was drawn to this picture of a samurai, a samurai that had like some feathers and things. It was kind of interesting. So I was like, I have to read on this one. Yeah. And it was about a man who was, you know, half Japanese and half Native American and how he was trying to find who he was and express that through his art because we are so many things you know we are you know I'm a woman I'm a mother I'm a librettist I'm a writer I'm a musician I'm a wife and a daughter and so many things that I don't want to ever be labeled for one thing you know I want to be the best of what I do and be the kind of person that can say at the end of the day at the end of my life I did everything that I could to be the best person I could be to leave the legacy that I wanted to leave Mm-hmm. and to be kind and to leave the place the world a better place because I was in it oh my gosh you're gonna make me cry <laughs> I love well this. I I just I just want people to realize that no matter what you do you have value and you bring value to other people <laughs> and Kate's right. gestures are just making me laugh um, I love it she's with you man she's, she's with, with you. me and I mean <laughs> I, I um I love this community that we've built this native American, beautiful music community that Kate and Jared and Grant and, and Barbara and Holden and, and Mark, all these people whose names you haven't heard yet. (laughs) So we've all started to build together and it's important. It's important. And we love it. And it's a family now. It's family now. Kate's mom's like my my family now. I mean, I just love Kate's mom. Catherine's oh, awesome. Kate's mom. Hi, so- Kate's mom. <laughs> my mom is amazing. She's amazing. Oh, she's amazing. You know, and I think if my mother were still alive to see what's happening now, she'd be so excited and so proud. I have no doubt. So I have no doubt she'd be so proud. 
you know, and my little one's going to grow up knowing this existed and that's even cooler. Yes. You're going to leave that yeah. legacy behind with her, you know? Yeah. She's going to be part of it. She's going to be a musician. I can tell. Absolutely. <laughs> Bring it on. Oh, she's that's right. Kirsten out there. Yep. Baby diva. We call her baby diva. <laughs> she and her awa <laughs> her awa yes awa. i did not name her baby diva that came from two different sets of friends so it's, uh, so, so she's two and she's over two now still still baby diva oh i bet she's adorable <laughs> i mean she is adorable oh well thank you so, yeah, oh my gosh those are my words that was beautiful both just so good so much inspiration wrapped up in that and i can tell it's all your passion that's built up inside of you because you are doing what you were called to do this is what you're meant to do um so both of you inspire me and i'm incredibly proud of both of you your native voices are literally being heard you know just in this whole new way um, so listeners, please be Thank sure you. to check out kateraquelmorton.com and wilmingtonconcertopera.com. I'm going to make sure that they're both posted on my native Chalk Talk Facebook page. And, you know, these are, these are great, talented women. Support them, please, with me. And Yakoki to you both. Mado. What Rachel? Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's Native, C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode. You're going to love it. Yakoki. Thank you, my friends.